Good morning, everyone. It is August 2020. And welcome to your monthly Tisa Tarot newsletter. Now, I did write the newsletter, but when I read it back, words and syntax and whatnot, it didn't really do the newsletter justice. So I decided to make a audio newsletter, which some of you might call a podcast, but hey, here we are. So what is the purpose of this newsletter? Well, this month we're going to talk about, well, you know what? I woke up this morning and I realized I have gone my whole life without ever having any tangible plan or goal. And because of that, that made me really wonder whether or not I have lived a life well lived. I mean, maybe it's the isolation, maybe it's the corona, maybe it's the fact that so many things are falling apart so quickly, so many things that I, we, okay, I'll stop trying to pull y'all into it, so many things I thought were stable and secure, were built on nothing but sand and sandpaper, made me really reevaluate the way I move, the way I think, the way I talk. Has anybody else been in this uh, mindset or is it just me? All right, it's just me. I'll just keep going. So you might be wondering, okay, so what, what led you to this epiphany, if you want, this clarity, this glaring thought, this abject horror <laughs> and the way I've moved through life? Well, I was reading this book. It wasn't actually, it was an audio book. I know I like to read, but lately because there's been such a lack of connecting to anyone socially. I've been doing audiobooks because, I mean, honestly, when I'm out walking alone, they make me feel like I have a friend, you know? And I grew up knowing a lot of people, but knowing no one at all at the same time, if that makes any sense, you know? My childhood was lonely in my mind, but on the surface, I had plenty of friends you could say. We'll get to that in a different episode. But this book was about this young woman who, at first I was like, how is this possible that everybody does everything right? Now, what do I mean by everything right? Well, in school, she was, um, grade school, she was a teacher's pet, you know? And no shade, because I tried my best to be the teacher's pet. I wanted that acknowledgement of always having the right answer, always being doted on for being intelligent and smart. But unfortunately, my proclivities for not being able to sit still, talking to my neighbors, always interjecting in what seemed like a mild version of Tourette's. No disrespect to anybody that has Tourette's, but you get my point. It was frowned upon by most teachers. Now, a few teachers did recognize my brilliance, a few, but they had infinite amounts of patience, didn't they? (laughs) But this girl, this young woman, you know, moving into high school, she was an academic, everybody respected. Moving into college, all her friends said, while we were out partying, she was babysitting the professor's kids. When she graduated college, she worked very diligently and achieved a mediocre of success um, 
in acting, something I desperately want to get into, but for some reason in the last year, I've not really focused on all that much. She held prayer circles every morning before the cast filmed. She went on. Um, everybody that met her said they fell in love with her. She was so sweet, so kind, so gracious. She went on to marry a man that, although he came um, from a very prestigious background himself, sacrificed everything to keep her and their new baby safe. Now, for those of you that might have figured it out, and those of you who don't know, I am talking about the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, and I'm talking about her book, Finding Freedom. Yes. <laughs> I did read the book because I am a bit puzzled by her whole life. You know, I'm I'm puzzled. Now, those of you guys that don't know, I it I love reading about women highly respected like the Duchess of Sussex and also not respected. I love women. You know, I love to see the way patriarchy impacts a woman's life and how we're forced to move to adapt, to do so much, to survive in a world that on the basis, unless we are wombs, unless we are quiet, unless we are submissive, we are not really wanted. And we are told every moment of our lives that we must submit, we must be quiet, we must produce, we must be what a good woman is to be loved and respected. So I like reading of women's experiences you know, partly to see how they're coping. Now, as you can see, when I started out, I really have no, I've never had a solid plan in life, but it still doesn't stop my object, subjective and objective curiosity on how other women survive in this thing called life. If you're a man listening, before you scoff, Follow me because this is going somewhere. I think every woman that's listening to knows what I am talking about. But getting back to the Duchess of Sussex, she married a man that gave up everything to keep her safe, which as someone whose safety has been a reoccurring theme in their lives and being protective has been a reoccurring theme, I found it interesting and odd that when I actually got to the nuts and bolts it seems like she always put a good foot forward she never made a misstep and at first I thought you know that is so phony how does everyone do nothing wrong how how is that possible how's it possible you never said us you know how's it possible you were always sweet and caring to everyone how's it possible that in college you somehow sucked up to the teachers well enough to babysit their kids and everybody just loved you how is that possible well you know that's the first time i don't consider myself an envious or a jealous person but I distinctly remember feeling this anger, like, well, I'm smart too. How come, you know, how come I didn't make all these decisions? How come it didn't occur to me? It's because I've never had a concrete plan in my life. I've never thought of a plan. I've lived life. I've experienced life. I've reacted to life. But I've never hit life on with a goal in mind and made my choices according to those goals.
Now, I'm not saying if if I had to do it again, would I make different choices? Well, okay, that's not true. Some choices I would make differently. But on the whole, I'm not saying I would have made choices differently. And I'm not saying that the Duchess of Sussex, we'll call her Megan, doesn't deserve all the beautiful things that have come to her. And I know people can argue a lot of bad things can come through. But, you know, let's focus on the good. Finding love, being completely protected by the person that loves you, having a baby in love, having a strong family unit. Those are blessings. And they're blessings that the majority of us, me in particular, I didn't get. I didn't plan for. Okay. So let's roll it back. On first, I had to actually go and think about, she planned, she planned, she planned. She had a goal in mind. And I think about my life, I moved through life with no goal. I met people, I, even to this day, I have no expectation on the outcome. I know some of you guys might scoff. You might be saying, how is that possible? But when I dug deeper, I realized my goal was to feel good. My goal in life was to be happy. And I moved through life with the only goal of feeling good and being happy. (laughs) Now, for those planners out there, I'm sure you can guess the type of the type of shenanigans that bought me. We'll refer to them as shenanigans, you know? It's like, I realized, I don't know if I read it or if I made it up myself, but that saying that when you want to cast a, you look at the world and you want to get out there and you want to cast a big, big net, a huge net, and pull in everything that's good in this world, the part philosophers don't tell you, I mean, aside from Nietzsche, if anybody's read Nietzsche, uh, uh, the part that philosophers don't tell you, the part that fairy tale doesn't tell you, the part that like even your own parents don't tell you maybe, is the fact that that net that is going to cast such a wide thing and pull back everything that's beautiful, that net is also going to catch everything that is ugly. And bring it back to you too. And you will be ensnared in that net with everything ugly. Now I say this to say, some people think planning is disingenuous. I never thought that. I admire people that could plan. I just didn't know where and how to plan. Where and how to have a goal. Now I met people on the way that helped me make a plan but those weren't really my plan was it it wasn't really my goal was it it was someone showing me how I wanted to be happy how I wanted to be protected how I wanted to protect and provide for those that I love and I care about they showed me a way to get there but even then the day-to-day planning it still escaped me. It's almost like they had to hold my hand for me to stay on task, for me to show me how if you do A, B can happen. So 
moving through life without a concrete plan, except to be happy and to feel good. It got me to thinking, what is a life worth living? I mean, when you look at somebody with a plan, like Megan, did that plan make her any happier? Did it protect her anymore? Did her move to her goals any faster? I don't really know. I can't say because I'm looking from an outside in. I don't really know her. I don't know what her ultimate goal, what her ultimate plan is. I don't know. Excuse me. It's a rainy day and the rainy day has got me contemplative and a little groggy. Please don't take my yawning for a thing that I'm not exactly engaged. I am fully engaged It's just, I'm talking a lot and I need to take in more air. It's a purely physiological response to not to denote any type of abject boredom in talking to you. So, yeah, what is it, right? What is it? Did it bring her any more happiness? Did she feel any more protected? I don't know. But I do know that these plans of hers... These plans of hers did not exclude her from anything. And that's the part I think is so interesting, right? A life well lived where as I get older, I come to the realization that the decisions I made, whether or not I put a second or an hour or a year thought into them, spoiler alert, I've never put an hour thought into anything except to worry. But the decisions I made excluded me from so much. Or did they? Or did they? And this gets me to my point. A life well lived. What is planning except for focusing on the goals that society tells us we need? We need money. We need a marriage. We need a life partner. We need... What does society tell us we need? As a woman, I'm speaking from a woman, it might be different. As a a single woman, if you're a single mother, you need to provide. You need to protect. Because objectively, you do not have value. And you cannot find somebody of value to protect and to provide for you. So you need to protect and provide for yourself. Society tells us by the decisions we've made, by the way we've played by the rules, how well we've been rewarded. Now, I could, you know, toot my own horn and say that I am actually proof that I did not play by the rules of society. On paper, and we'll get into this in other broadcasts, I did everything wrong. And when I say everything, I mean everything. But I still managed to get the benefit of the bargain society told me I would not get. And this is good. This is good. This is good. And I don't mean to make it seem like it was a cakewalk. At times, not playing by the rules and being a good woman that listens, that is submissive, that is humble, almost cost me my life several times. I'll get to that in a different day. (laughs) This isn't a dark retelling of life. This is a questioning introspective right so yeah but it made me wonder how much more powerful would I have been if I had played by the rules 
coupled with my need to protect and provide for my family, with my need to connect with people, with my need to be loved, to feel loved. I don't know. And as I sit here in my room, (laughs) being a little cherry-eyed, melancholy, I have to wonder, did I make all the best decisions? Not the right decisions, because life will tell you, even the wrong decision turns out to be the right decision in the end. But did I make the best decisions? Am I still making the best decisions? I mean, there's been people that can look at me and say that I disappointed, that I was horrible to. There's been people that don't look at me at all that I feel I disappointed and I've been horrible to. And there are people that have disappointed me and in various degrees been horrible to to me. So it's a circle of life, right? But what does it mean to actually sit and look at your life and wonder if you made the best decisions? Well, that's when you have to literally start thinking. How do you choose to see things? How do you choose to be? How do you choose to exist? How do you choose to make the weight of this world not crush you? Well, you have to have faith. Faith in what? I've never been a religious person. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. At one point, I, you know... There is God. But I don't think that modern religion, I don't even think old school religion actively reflects what God is. So much hurt happens. I do believe that there is a God. He's not listening. He's not concerned with that. There is a bigger plan. (laughs) Look, God has a plan. There is a bigger plan that he has in store for everyone, not just humans, not just animals, not just what's on this earth, but the people in the universe, the spirits, heaven, hell, if you believe in it. On this earth and everything in between, in this cosmos, in this galaxy, in this nebula. He's not just thinking about us. He's not thinking about just me. He doesn't have time and I can pray as much as I want. He, she, it, they, whatever it is, these divine forces bigger than myself. They don't have time to think about us and grant wishes. But that's when astrology comes into play, isn't it? That's when the tarot comes into play that, yes, these divine forces, whatever you think they are, they are busy on a grand plan. But sometimes, if you listen long enough, you can tap into that divineness. You can tap into the energies that are all moving us forward into a plan too big, too beautiful, too non-human for us to understand. And when you tap into that plan, you can translate that. You can translate that into not what you should do, but how you should feel about things. 
Nothing in this life is guaranteed. And nothing in this life is promised. And that's a scary thing, isn't it? Maybe that's why I never stuck to a plan. Because nothing in this life is promised. So you can plan. You can plan. This is what I've always told myself. You can plan. You can plan. But you can plan. But it can all be taken away in a moment's notice. Can all Love can be removed at a whim. Even... The people that claim to love you, your family, your friends, your lover, your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend, your wife. The people that promise to love you can remove that promise at any time, can't they? The people that promise can protect you. You're really on your own in this universe. As scary as that is, at least to me it was scary. When I was younger, it doesn't scare me anymore, but when I was younger it scared me. This is something that we all deal with. So the planning, I guess to some people, makes them feel safer. It makes them feel like, okay, fine, I am on my own. But we've all agreed mutually that if I do A, B, and C, good things will happen, you know? But that's not true. That's not true at all. It's not. I've come to the conclusion that even though I did not live a life well planned, the only time I ever got into problems, the only time I ever got led astray, the only time I ever got disappointed, discarded, stalked, obsessed over, or cast aside like I was insignificant, is when I didn't listen to my divine light, when I didn't listen to the only thing that's ever been a consistent in my life, the stars, the moon, the sun, that guidance that has been there since the morning I woke up, and they'll be there even when I die. That which is unshakable, that which is unfathomable, that which is unnamed. That energetic current that flows through all of us, that we can feel and hear and see, but yet largely ignore and turn away from. So this, a life well lived, is actually my origin story. If anybody's still listening, you have heard my origin story into astrology. You've heard my origin story into tarot. You've heard why, and we'll discuss this in further podcasts, why I've been in so many risky situations and why also I've been in so many beautiful situations. And why I've been loved and adored. And why I've been cast aside. And used as nothing but a... Well, we'll talk about that. We'll save that for a different podcast. But you now have my origin story. So now that we have the origin story, you have the skeleton of what made me me. That the stars, the moon, the sun, this divine energy is the only thing that's ever truly been there for me. It's the only thing that's never judged me. It's the only thing that's never 
been afraid of me. It's the only thing that's never tried to dim my power. It's the only thing that's never made me try to submit. Rather, the stars, the moon, the sun, because the power is so awesome and so great, who I am was never a threat. So they encouraged me. They helped me. They built me up. Now, this isn't to say I've never met anyone in life that's done that. I, I've met a couple, a few women, and a couple, a handful of men, and quite a handful of women that have also, also done that. But it was always contingent. It was always contingent. The stars, the moons, the sun, this energy, it's never contingent. All right. So we've gotten our origin, uh, my origin story off the way. So we've gotten into the first podcast, right? We've gotten into the first podcast, the first new new newsletter, A Life Well Lived. So what is my closing takes, right? Well, I would encourage all of you to live a life well lived. Whether you are capable of planning and whether, raise your hand, you're not. Whether you've done everything right and gotten everything in return. And whether you've done nothing right and gotten nothing in return. And whether you've done a mixture and gotten mixed results. I want you to know that this newsletter, this podcast, this Tisa Terrell's fam, friends of Tisa Terrell's, it's going to be a place that you can come here and consider home and refocus and draw into the divine energy that has led us to where we are. Now, where are we? Where are we? Hopeful, but scared, searching out crawling around it sometimes it seems like in a dark room on our knees blindfolded over glass trying to find that elusive peace that elusive happiness trying to find our solid ground and solid ground that will never be taken away but the solid ground you'll come to realize as you tap more into the divine as you get in touch more with the energy of the astrology and the tarot, you'll realize that solid ground was always you. And even though you did nothing right, you'll come to the feeling that you did everything perfect because you chose to focus on the one goal. That light, that love, that happiness. That one goal that if you keep striving for it and you do it right, you'll realize nobody can ever take it away because it is you. There's a, a saying called, we are on a journey to become that which we already are. People plan to return back to themselves. People float free-spirited to find themselves. But that journey... To become what we are. It's literally saying that we literally are who we are already. The journey, the life, 
it pulls us away from our source. We are born who we are. And we literally, if you think about it, spend our lives trying to deprogram ourselves from the world telling us what we should be, from our parents telling us what you should be, from our children and our cousins and our uncles and our lovers and everything in between, from our bosses, from our teachers telling us who we should be. We are born who we are. And this journey, if you want to come on it with me, the intuitive, the pickup cards, the tarot readings, everything. It's nothing but a tool, a very adept tool to get in touch with that which you already are, to return to that divine source, that divine energy. You know, a lot of uh, quantum physicists, engineers, anyone that deals with any type of energy and electricity will tell you that energy is always trying to return to source. And whether you realize that or not, by subscribing, by listening to this podcast, by still being here, you are trying to return to source desperately. And the good news is, no matter what you do, you will return to source, right? (laughs) Our energy will all return to source. But Let's try to do it while we're still living, while we're still breathing. Let's try to bring our flowers to us. You know, I'm going to end by telling this story. That the theological monks used to look at the butterfly as proof that God exists. There would be this caterpillar. They called it ugly and ungainly. I think caterpillars are cute said, you know, of course, as an unfarmed person in my youth and largely unfarmed down, I literally feel the caterpillars are cute. They are cute little chunky little. I like caterpillars. They're cute, right? But they would say this caterpillar would go in and stay in a cocoon for how long? I don't know. How long do caterpillars cocoon? Let's stick to the point. And they will come out amazing, a butterfly, a sight to behold. And they would look at that and the theological monks would say, look at God's glory. Look at the proof of God. Now, here's the thing. A caterpillar still might be proof of God. I don't know. I'm not deeply religious. I'm spiritual. But they were so wrong about so many things. When the caterpillar climbed in that cocoon, he didn't just magically transform into a butterfly by God's light. No, they've studied it. And what they studied found out that the caterpillar goes into the cocoon to be alone, to be unbothered from any outside disturbances. And you know what happens? The caterpillar was always the butterfly. The butterfly, the caterpillar literally starts pulling apart. Its outer shell, its flesh or whatever you want to call it, starts turning jelly. And the wings of the the butterfly were always inside the caterpillar. The legs, everything that makes a butterfly was inside the caterpillar. And everything turns to jelly in those places that we're in it can now push out. 
And it takes however long a cocoon, however long it takes. I want to say nine months, but I think that's having a baby. 40 weeks, I don't know. But however long the cocoon, the caterpillar needed to be alone to actually dissolve all the protection that it needed to move to the world and get back to who it was when it was born, which is the, which is the butterfly. That, if you want to believe in religion, is God's glory. That, if you want to believe in the divine, which I do, is the point of it. Not until the caterpillar could be on its own away from all the prying eyes, away from the predators, away from the friends and away from the food, away from the nourishment, away from every distraction that was in its life, hidden in a cocoon of silence. Could it truly manifest, get in touch and become its true self, which is the butterfly? We are on a journey to become that which we already are. We are on that journey. We are the caterpillars. I, still at my age, I'm a caterpillar. And as a caterpillar, it's occurred to me that maybe this is my time to separate myself from everything I've known, the predators, the friends, the foe, the family, from all the things I've tied myself to, all the ideas I've given myself, and go into my cocoon and finally emerge that which I already am. That which I was born. I'm sorry for getting so emotional. But it's a beautiful thought, isn't it? To become what you are. Now, here's the thing. It may be why this is so scary for some people. We don't know whether we're going to go in a caterpillar and come out. I don't know, an ant, a roach, a mouse, name, a rat. Name something vile. I, I don't think ants are vile. Ants don't bother me. I actually think they're kind of cute. Right? But, or whether we'll come out a butterfly. Now, society tells you, your parents tell you, the people that love you tell you that you're going to come out a butterfly, the biggest, beautiful, most beautiful butterfly ever. But see, the point is why this cocoon is so attractive, at least to me. And if you're listening, it's probably attractive to you is the fact that you will finally be in your pure self. And your pure self will give you a modem of peace. You will know your place in the universe. You will know your place in life. You will know. You will finally have solid ground. Let me pull back because that's a little bit disingenuous. You will finally find peace. There will be no searching, no more searching, no more hoping, no more wondering, no more anxiety, no more race to be something, to be what society tells you. You will be 
that which you already are. And what society says and tells you is of no concern. It's no importance to you anymore. You have found, you have tapped into divine. And there is nothing left but to commune one on one with the divine. There will be no more loneliness. There will be no more paper chase. There will be no rat race. There will be no more. And that energy that you were born into, that I was born into, that never saw the need to plan, never saw the point of planning, wasn't taught to plan. Well, that part of you that knew not to plan because the only thing you needed to do the only thing that you ever wanted was to return to your source. Well, once that caterpillar comes out of the cocoon, cocoon, whether you come out a rat or a glorious butterfly or whatever it is, you'll know that every goal you had, which was only one, to be happy, to return to the energy has finally been satiated. And now there is nothing left to do but be. And that inner confidence of knowing that you can be, that you are enough, that you are enough. You can still, doesn't mean that you'll never want to do anything again in your life, right? We all have goals, not, but the goal to make you feel like something, to fill you up, that goal has been satiated. You just have to be. You are enough for breathing. You are enough for existing. You are at your worst still worthy of love. And at your best, you are worthy of love. And everything in between, you are worthy of love. And not only that, you have the most divine love. You have the love of yourself. And once you have that base, that unconditional love, I love so deep. What's that meme everybody's always posting when they break out with someone? I want a love so I crave a love so deep. Even the ocean will be jealous. That love you crave is in yourself. It is touching into the divine. It is being so secure and knowing who you are so much that no matter what you do in life, that faith in yourself will never be shaken. Yes, others can love you. Yes, others can adore you, but you don't need to hear that. You don't need to see it. You don't need to feel it. You are, you hear, you see for yourself. You know? Well, for those that know, you know, right? For those that know, you know. And for those that don't, you'll find out. You'll find out. So anyway, guys, I know that this has been a bit of a reflective newsletter. A life well lived. But I hope you guys took a few things out of it. I know I did. (laughs) If no one's listening to this... Hey, sorry about that. I my phone was not on do not disturb and I got a call from someone. It was it was a wrong number. Jesus Christ. In any case, let's wrap this up. I hope you guys got my point. This is my Leo season newsletter in a roundabout way. I got to what it means to have self love. That love of self 
that no matter what happens and what ha- and what knocks us aside, we're tapped into the divine and we are enough for ourselves, for the world, for heaven, hell, earth, and everything in between. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for the first newsletter. Go out, enjoy Leo season. I know this was a bit melancholy, but you know what? That's Leo too. Leos can get in their feels. And you just got into the feels with me (laughs) for the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next month.